As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. episode of Android's Dungeon. Avengers. What is this, the 20th movie? Are we going to talk about it? It's a children's movie. What is there to say? It's about wizards and gems and, and, and giant colorful things hitting each other. What are you supposed to say about that? I don't know. We'll find out. And Stone Mayor Games and some hot water? <laughs> Let's find out. Stay tuned. CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, planet Earth, Canada, North America, blah, 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 blah. This is Android's Dungeon, a show about games, movies, books, music, frustrations in life, existentialism, uh, occasionally some work-life stuff. Holy smokes, Jack! Who's that? Who's These this in the studio? These photos look so similar. <laughs> Joel I mean, Bryant. the one of the tiger. It's like he drew a tiger. Come hold on, on Joel. Hold on, Joel. You've put the cart before the horse, Kurt. Well, there is a heart. Kurt. There is a cart and a horse in this. It's <laughs> actually two soldiers on a on a cart being pulled by a horse. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into our normal thing after the news. This breaking news. It, it's not often that you actually get some drama in the board Do-do-do. game world. <laughs> Was it? No, it almost sounds like the X transition, you know. All right, fine. One hour later, like a little cartoon burst. Time, get the wipe. The wipe. That's what I was thinking of. Like the the famous George Lucas different wipes. Anyway, board game news in all of Ontario was sent an alert recently that Stone Mayor Games is in some hot water. Uh, and this is relating to, can you believe it or not, one of their most popular games they've made, if not the most popular game, Scythe. We've talked about it, I think, once on the show, maybe twice, and it is a game uh, that is a mix of worker placement and uh, war and resource management. It's very popular, and it's very well received, and we're, we're, we're fans of it on the show. Unfortunately, the artist responsible for the the incredible scenes and themes that drives the game. I heard that uh, Sto- uh, Jamie uh, Stigmeyer, Stigmeyer, I can only, I never pronounce his last name properly. I just meld it with the company name. We'll just call him Jamie. Uh, Jamie built the game, I think, using the images first. He saw J- Jakob's artwork and said, "Okay, I want to do something with this." It got his creative juices going, which I think is an incredible endorsement of good art. Uh, or any sort of really neat um, media, when you see it and it, it provokes you to create something, it gets your mind going. And I agree. The the artwork of Jakob, which is this style of, it looks like uh, 1920s, post-war, Eastern Europe aesthetic. It's usually, and to be honest, most of the pictures are identical in the sense of you have something giant in the background and you have a figure kind of turned around facing it. Uh, and they're very tiny, dwarfed by the the background image and the foreground. 
um, usually of countrysides, of various states of spring, winter, fall, etc. And uh, occasionally get a mix up of different types of uh, drawings. But it has come to light, and I, I could have swore I heard about this years ago too, but I think it's for some reason it's exploded right now. It's come to light that people are accusing Jacob of tracing his art, if not outright just copying it and slapping on maybe uh, some filters. And Joel's looking through the images right now, and it's it started on Reddit as so many good things, so many bad things. And you can check it out on the R Board Game subreddit. I'm, I'm positive it's <laughs> the number one uh, story on their uh, site right the second, or on the subreddit. And it also is a crosslink from... Uh, our concept art, art, and and maybe we'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah, I think we'll post it or Get link in to on it. the fame. I don't want to. I don't want to dogpile Jacob, and I don't want to dogpile Stonemaier on this one. It, it is something that I think before anyone judges, you should look at it yourself. But surface impressions don't look good. Yeah, if we post the story, he might not come on the show. Yeah, he might. He might <laughs> blackball us. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We'll never get anyone else on the you show. Were just about to blow up in this industry. Okay, Uwe will call us. And yeah. and like, I uh, agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I you saw should, the we'll, tracings. We'll post the pictures to our uh, to Twitter and uh, it seems Instagram. like most of the art that he made, if they are copied, which pretty good argument that they are. We're based off of photographs, anyway. Yeah. So, so Joel, why don't you describe random photos? This is is this the first time you've looked at it? Uh, in detail, yeah. So I mean, what do you think of it? I think the the most compelling one is there's a photo of a bunch of pigs. Mm-hmm. It's probably about 20 pigs. Yeah. And if you look at the drawing and you look at the photo, they're the exact same orientation. There's no way that it wasn't traced. And Whereas, there's, yeah, and there's other ones with like the, the man charging with the horse with his saber above. Yep. And... And there's some weaker ones. They're yeah. saying, oh, this guy looks like Bucky from Avengers. That, that one I've always thought, like, that's... People are saying, oh, you're in trouble. You screwed with the mouse. They're going <laughs> to... They've sued for <laughs> yeah, less. Disney, it's like, yeah. look, it's nobody... It's just a roguelike dude. Yeah, it, that'd be a really tough one to, I think, take somebody to court over. Just the fact you put a shaggy-haired gentleman in the background. <laughs> now, if he had a silver arm for some reason. But even that, you could argue, is that... I don't know. It's just an homage. You're you're paying reference to a character that you you really like. Or that that one I thought was tenuous. But the other ones, they look pretty one for one. As in, you could slide the images over top of each other and be like, oh, it's it it looks identical. One of the concerns, like we start with photos. That's not a big deal. I I'd trace a photo. I wouldn't get paid for it. But Mm -hmm. um, where it's based off of this dust tactics, dust tactics, a miniature where it gets more. because that's where they're saying that he got his ideas from world building from dust tactics yeah and then you know jamie staymeyer gets his idea for scythe from the photos so uh who who's got the real credit here i'd love to have an actual artist on the show who is who's done contract art uh of this of this nature or at least can speak to it because Based on my surface understanding and going reading the thread and reading a couple other things, from the sound of it is that it's just gummy. It's not necessarily wrong. And the thing that people are upset about isn't necessarily the tracing, because a lot of artists trace. It, there's no question about it. And, and some have straight up said that's what they do. And they're. It, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Try tracing something and then drawing it and c- tell yourself it's easy. It isn't. Well, sorry, what were you going to say, Joel? Nope. 
Just that. So the issue isn't necessarily that he's tracing things or that he's using reference material because, again, a lot of artists uh, use reference materials. How often do you go to – what's the joke about the art class where you have a nude model as a reference or using another painting or a picture as a reference? You're basing it on something else, yep. and that's the evolution of art. The issue comes when you don't admit that you're doing it, yep. and you even do what people are claiming are fake tutorials to kind of cover up how you actually do it. And this is what I think people are really upset about is that uh, I say people, ambiguous internet users. No, not real people. They're phony. uh, That he would do these tutorials and he'd show you stuff, but he wouldn't admit to or he wouldn't show you using these other things. Mm -hmm. And this has come up, I think, two years ago and it was referenced and he didn't say anything until two years ago he brought it up or somebody said, hey, this looks like a one for one here. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I trace, or I use this as a reference. And I I don't want to put words in his mouth, and I don't want to possibly say something that's wrong here, but I think everyone should look at at themselves. But from an artist's perspective, I think it's just the issue is putting credit where credit is due, and especially the guys that are alive. It's one thing to reference, like, a picture from that the artist is long dead, nobody's making any money, versus uh, I think there's a Swedish artist that they reference who's done some incredibly evocative artwork that seems very similar in theme. Mm. What are your thoughts, Joel? Well, I, I want to. I'm curious about just how this makes you feel about Scythe overall, because I know no that different. We, we've spent a lot of time sort of looking at those paintings and describing yeah. them. Yeah, that's true. Whenever we have an encounter, yeah. um, does it make it feel tainted or cheaper in any way? For me, no. It, if I think if he had explicitly ripped off another artist in the sense of like somebody else had done the similar sort of post-apocalypse or post-war mech thing with the similar aesthetic. If he had done ripped that guy off one for one, I'd say, oh, that it makes me feel sorry for the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, the, the art is still there. The art is still incredible. But I think it, how could you not walk away saying a little part of you, though, is kind of saying, oh, it's, just, it's too bad. It's, it's slightly too tainted. too bad because one of the main things we say about Scythe is, man, it's really beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, the it doesn't change. It's fantastic. It doesn't change that. Yeah. What do you think? Are you feeling like uh, you can never look at it the same again? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that it's a trace of a photo... Sure. I mean, it's really hard to draw original drawings. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. Why artists get paid a lot. <laughs> I wasn't like um, thinking a thinking of Scythe as a work of art or anything like that. Yeah. But um, the fact that yeah that that he was kind of secretive about it is kind of dirty. And what about the implications that they're talking about the possibility of them not being able to publish this look of Scythe? And that's that was something interesting because. I think that gets to the heart of it. It's not a game that, like, let's say it was a train game that could be reskinned, no problem, as something else. Like, the the mechanics and the theme are very hand-in-hand in in this. And that's not to say you couldn't do it. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're putting out My Little Scythe, which Uh, shows that uh, you can change it around and do what you want with it. All I'm saying is that... Print and play of the year. Print and play of the year. Who? <laughs> I think there's an official one coming there's out, a, too. There's a little girl in Vancouver, actually, that their That's parents right. helped her make it. That's right. So we have, by God, we have won. <laughs> it makes it all worthwhile. Um, but I don't think, to be honest, I do not think Scythe would survive the current look of it being stripped away for legal reasons. Yeah, and I'd be astounded if we came to that. They've got, they would have <clears> to pay... I'm assuming a different artist, <laughs> because this guy's gonna gonna cause them a lot of grief, and even e- if even if not legally, at yeah, least yeah. to their reputation. And that's I think that's the one thing that you talk about. 
you go into sort of uh, marketing and branding, and the, one of the hardest things to build and maintain is a reputation. And as soon as holes are shot in it, even like a little hole that's been gnawed at a bit, it, it tends to kind of tear like a, a <laughs> like your favorite <laughs> shirt that you've managed to rip no. a little bit and just gets bigger and bigger. And in this case, I think Jamie has an uphill fight for him. But that said, I may be overanalyzing this because we are a little more, we have our fingers on the pulse of this stuff a little bit more than the average person. So yeah. how and many people are going to actually know? I think Stonemeyer has a huge following. Absolutely. And that's, I mentioned, I sent Joel a message about this earlier today. And that, that was the part that kind of makes me a little worried is that because the bigger the company, the bigger the target for loss, frivolous lawsuits. Exactly. And I don't say frivolous is a poor choice, but let's just say you, it, you make yourself look more tempting. And if you're an artist and you see and you feel like you've been ripped off, I think it's more tempting to lawyer up and and talk to and I don't even know copyright intellectual property. What do you yeah. want to say and say this guy ripped me off? You just, I it probably happened in the seventies and eighties. We didn't hear about it much. I know that uh, famously, Civ the video game sued Civ the board game. But that, that's that's a bizarre <laughs> bizarre story. But to imagine board games getting this big where we're actually getting into lawsuits over uh visual uh, well that's a, just aesthetics the, the visual stuff is almost the easiest part though because you can at least point to it and say look th- anyone a man riding by on a horse could look at that and kind of say they are very similar they well we've always confused. said it's really easy to copy games because you can't copyright aesthetics or, or sorry a mechanic exactly perfect example is rehashing zombie dice yeah and <laughs> just doing the exact same game do but it. with different pictures do whatever you want yeah. i mean I, I i think and i'd be curious though if i was just to take zombie dice and put like 100 percent, just do a, a skin of it sailor moon well i don't know about <laughs> sailor moon i'm not sure if uh is there a market for sailor moon friends <laughs> that's exactly what mark's done <laughs> i'm just joshing i know that mark's up too uh, I'm not going to say friend of the show. He hasn't been on the show, but I'll put him as friend <laughs> as, as his own Sailor Moon dice game. I don't think it's like Zombie Dice. We'll give him some credit on this one. But if I take Zombie Dice and I just say it's it's now Android Dungeon Dice. AD Dice. AD Dice, where it's all listeners. You get, there's one listener per die. <laughs> and you got to roll it. You have to repeat a couple times. <laughs> you have to just roll, roll, roll. Your hand is 10 cm. Would, could, you be, could you be sued by somebody for that? I don't know. To me, it seems too close to like monopoly for example you can't just put something down on a board like that that i'm aware of and and copy it you can copy selling properties you can copy the the certain aspects of but i think hasbro is another company you do not want to mess with similar to disney in the sense of (laughs) maybe don't want to play games with these guys i've seen little iterations of monopoly i've seen vancouver up uh i don't know if that was Parker Brothers, and that I've seen those too. I think there's a, there's a Guelphopoly, which is hilarious. But are they? Did somebody get like a license? Are they? <clears throat> is there a generous side to this company where if it's like, oh, a city or non-private uh, entity wants to make a, a little game for promotional purposes, as tribute, as tribute, well, do they <laughs> let this go? That it is a it is a gray area, or is it just like nobody gets? I have a hard time imagining they wouldn't send the lawyers send the hounds after anyone because yeah. the way when you're a big enough company with a good ip you have to go after everyone unfortunately and that's the sad part about it they must have worked it out i just imagine from their headquarters point of view monopoly is a staple they're still selling copies uh somebody makes a really terrible game yeah. and calls it something opoly 
That, that taints your uh, Well, that's your a good point. And so if I sit down and Grandma buys me a copy of Guelphopoly, and you play <laughs> it, and you go, my God, this is a horrible game. And you start talking about, oh, the Monopoly stinks. And you, you played Guelphopoly while well, they've tainted your brand somehow. It's, it is... It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable, but I don't think Monopoly can be tainted any more than it already is. <laughs> oh, which is shots fired. I don't know. Does anyone really like Monopoly? I don't know. You, if you do, congratulations. Tweet but it's us just, if you like. Tweet them. us if you do. It, it's I, it, the problem with Monopoly. I think is just there's so many better games I'd rather be playing than spending two <laughs> long hours or three long hours playing Monopoly. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this is an interesting copy or an interesting issue with Stone Mirror, and hopefully it, nothing seriously negative happens to the company because we're I think we can both agree we're fans of the company and we don't want anything extraordinarily bad happening to them, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes because I I'm not sure if this one's just going to fizzle out like the previous. Yeah, I just want to see them keep making uh, great games. Absolutely. Even though Charterstone kind of let me down even though I played it once, but it just it's not good when you don't want to go back again or you have no real drive to. It's just kind of cute. It is cute, I guess. Yeah. So, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Uh, I've been playing the game of life. Oh, man. <laughs> Spinning that board. New low score. This <laughs> 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 show just got little... down to one health. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, eat some, eat a melon or something. <laughs> a little pork loin. <laughs> Actually, Jack and I have been playing a little bit of Minecraft. There you go. We've been crafting it up, and <laughs> man, it's hard. Well, it, it's not that Minecraft is hard. It's, this, so talk this about punk. talk about Minecraft in the server that we're on right now. Sure, sure. So Minecraft, if you don't know what it is, it's a video game. It is a world-building video game. It was one of the original sort of. Uh, it's called a sandbox environment, and a sandbox environment is basically like here is a world. Do whatever you want. And so Minecraft is very much that because every single square in the game is a part of the world that you can break apart and then you can build up again. So you've seen in creative mode, which is sort of like where you're a god and you can do anything you want. You've seen people create like King's Landing and they've got several thousand individual houses built in this massive city and things like that or like it's recreating you, lord of the rings whatever, yeah, whatever it's like digital lego that's a good way to kind digital of describe lego, it. even yeah. though it's i wouldn't put it quite up as good as lego but, but from my perspective i've always thought survival was more interesting survival mm -hmm. is just kind of where you're in the world and you're trying to stay alive and succeed and uh build up a nice little home for yourself cozy it's yeah it's cozy you can there's a lot uh put into like aesthetics and things and you can improve the look of your home and get more rare resources and to make it look prettier uh but there is sort of like a a progress in the game and uh you you want to basically be working towards buffing yourself up for like the next thing and um not everybody does that but anyway the the point being that our server the server that we're on was built by a friend friend of the show probably not but uh <laughs> probably not <laughs> friend of the friend of the uh host friend of the host yeah. um and he uh being the avid gamer that he has decided that uh the only way to play minecraft is at the hardest possible difficulty yeah that's that's right joel so describe the hardest difficulty for us um well there are certain enemies in the game and if you're out at night there will be monsters that come out and it's mainly spiders skeletons and zombies um 
And in a regular game, you know, you get enough armor and you can go out there and hit them with your sword and you'll be okay. In this game, if you go out and hit a zombie with a sword, it's going to create four new zombies and they're going to surround you. Um, the skeletons, instead of shooting and you can kind of dodge their shots, Pinpoint they accuracy. always hit you. Yep. And I think you get about four hits at full, full armor to they, die. They, they hit like a truck. Yeah. And, so, and it seems like they show up with armor more often as well, and enchanted weapons more often, but it could just be observation bias. No, it's true. The hard mode also <clears throat> creates um, likelihood to summon with armor. Spiders can summon with certain enhancements like poison and uh, super speed and things like that. So. And uh, do you think this adds to the, the entertainment value of the game, Phil? <laughs> no. Actually, you know what? I thought about it, and... Since I knew, like, because before I thought, man, I'm really out of practice. I'm dying all the time. This yeah. is really hard. Once I knew, um, I don't take the risks that I normally took in Minecraft. And then if I am going to go out, I go out with other people. And if you're in a group, it's not so bad. Yeah. I think the main thing is it's not the strength of the enemies that kills me. It's the it's the sheer quantity of them. The zombie thing is mind-bendingly dumb. I, I have no... Yeah. I cannot wrap my head around what is the... There's no difficulty to spawning more zombies when you hit them. To me, that doesn't sound like difficulty. It's It just sounds like uh, somebody rolled some dice somewhere and said, this is what will happen because <laughs> it, it sounds tough. And it's just completely unentertaining to me whatsoever because it went from... Because there was one night when I started whacking zombies, I had no idea why there were so many all over the place. It didn't yeah. make any sense to what me. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. And then you were saying, oh, he has it set the hard mode. And yeah. it, it, it turns it so now I don't even bother with night. There's no point to it for no. me. It's just run back to bed. So I'm basically I'm skipping an entire half of the, the game's... Um, clock cycle. The clock cycle. Because it is so imbalanced when it comes to the section. It's, it's absolutely pointless. One thing being in the caves, because at least that's on you. I, I, the spawn I, levels, I think, feel a little high, but maybe I'm just crazy. Um, but in that case, as long as you're not being goofy, and like you're saying, you're going to pack, and you're being smart, you need a shield. If you do not have a shield, you are wasting your time playing yeah, this game. You're dead. Because the, the skeletons, again, you're not dodging them like Neo. They're just... All right, hope you enjoy your run back to the... <laughs> yeah, with no armor. With no, no armor, weapons. and hopefully you're running. And he's still there. <laughs> he's still there. <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't get it, but I I do feel like I'm getting better trying to adapt to the, the skeletons. Like, I've learned the blocking timing better, and yep. but other things, it's just like, the problem is that it'd be, Minecraft is not a balanced game or a particularly tactical game to begin with. It, it is so clunky and yeah. janky, and when you add in a bit of lag, um, and just like it, Dark Souls falls apart online because as soon as there's lag, there's there's no there's no real skill or balance to what you're doing. You're just kind of swinging wildly and hope that maybe the latency catches up to you <laughs> and things work out in your way. And it, uh, yeah, I don't think Minecraft was designed to be uh, an intense challenge or a, a hard game. I think it was designed to be a long game. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of steps and it takes you a long time to find diamonds. It takes you a long time to progress from one stage to another and find the things that you need. Yeah. But you should be able to move forward. And that's it. I don't feel like I'm stuck in one place. But going back to what I was saying before, my the issue is where the, it feels like half the day is just a, a perfunctory run to a bed. Yeah. 
and then and you come better back. hope you're the only one there. Yeah, that's if, right. If anybody else is awake in the server, you have you, to sit around. Yeah, you just sit there with holding your <laughs> nighttime, <laughs> and you're just typing. To people, go to bed. Go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> but again, there's a thing with like, I I think this is an issue where the vanilla vanilla Minecraft is not very good and. You need to get into the server tools and maybe download uh, some mods that actually may maybe tweak the difficulty. So if you could keep the maybe the strength of the monsters but drop the spawn rate on them, or maybe make it so that things certain things don't happen unless players are a certain level, or maybe you've unlocked certain things. I'm fine with that. Yep. But it just seems right from the get go, you would have to be a masochist to have, be having fun. I think, for, especially can you imagine before you get any cloth, what you're doing at night? <laughs> you're just sitting there staring at a wall, waiting to die. Waiting to die. You just build up a dumb oh, little, a little dirt wall. Little yeah. dirt wall. Nothing gets you. Although, can creepers blow you up if they get close when you're in a wall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you're just... you're. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. It's just not fun, whatever <laughs> Open, it is. you don't die. You get good. Get, get good. Good, yeah. Well, okay. that's kind of the attitude. I think the, the impetus behind setting something at the hardest difficulty is I'm good and I want to prove that I'm good. And that and, and great if you if you don't think it's a challenge or if you think it's just challenging enough or entertaining, congratulations you you're very special. Yeah, <laughs> like I guess it, casual boo <laughs> <laughs> like myself. I, it, it's it's not what I signed up for basically, but it's still fun. It's and it's a lot of fun working with Joel building up our. Joel knows way more about the game than I do. I'm usually contentious to build a cottage and a lava waterfall. That's it. <laughs> I find myself getting really exhausted in the game. I'll play. I used to play for like hours on end, but I'll play for like 45 minutes, and it's so stressful just having these monsters around. Yeah. That I'd say, you know, that's good for me to for tonight. I'm gonna log off. And especially if you're you're spelunking and you're going deeper and deeper, oh. it's like, what was it? oh yeah. man, <laughs> glad I made it out. Basically, <laughs> when you get back, it's a, you do get a big rush of relief when That's you get it. back to it's, your base. So, in a sense, again, there are aspects of the hard mode that make it really rewarding, but there are other parts that just make it so frustrating that you wonder why you're doing it in the first place. So, yeah. uh, so Minecraft, I think it's, I don't even know what it retails for. Microsoft bought it for, I think, a billion dollars. It's about 1. 20 bucks, I think. Yeah. 20, 25. Insane. I think it's still super popular with kids. It, it is yep. absurdly, it's, when we, I remember being in Korea when it came on smartphones and it was like you blinked and every kid had it. How would you even play that pocket no edition? Idea. It was so bad. No idea. Yeah, touch, 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 touch. Um, I've been playing. I've gotten in a couple of games of stuff. So I was at the cottage this weekend and um, we did some more games of Azul, which mm, we talked about last. So hot right now. So hot right now. Got crushed. <laughs> crushed in ways I, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it's, I, I gave Kayla six extra tiles at one point. I thought this is it. She's screwed. She's done. And then looking at the... How in the hell are you like 20 points ahead of me? How did this happen to me? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And so still a great game. The more we've played Azul, the more we re we've realized that it's kind of... There's this really weird fluctuation to the scoring, eh? In what sense? How you can... Maybe maybe you don't get many, many points in one round, but it sets you up for the next round. Or um, maybe you get a bunch of minus points, but you got so many tiles laid that it's going to actually put you ahead long term. And that's right? it. And you like, can't really tell how well you're doing. Yeah. Well, don't worry. Jack has no <laughs> clue how he's doing. He thinks he's always ahead. No. It's, I, I think that the more you play it, too, the more you kind of get a feel for it. And I'm going to make a broad comparison here, but the Carcassonne with... 
you get a feel for certain types of tiles and the frequency of them as well. Mm. So if you're playing Azul and maybe you've noticed, wow, we've we've been drawing reds like crazy, and maybe, oh, it looks like Kayla's been doing reds in the bottom too, and I've been trying to do reds in the bottom, and certain things become a higher commodity. This natural market sort of forms, yeah. which is fascinating to see. But then there's also the, the, the scarcity of them, because if there's so many reds have shown up, and they've been played and discarded, and the game doesn't require you to go back into the bag for it, you're just looking at the, the possibility of like, oh, Unless I, we've been playing it wrong, but I'm pretty sure it goes in the box and you just, they're, yeah, they're out of the until game. Until the bag runs out. Until the bag runs out. So you know what's been expired. And unless you're doing some Rain Man counting of, of tiles, <laughs> you can, really crunching statistics and whatnot, it, it forces you to really think about what your next, so like you're saying, you built up your board and maybe yeah. you didn't get tons of points this time, but you're anticipating like, oh. But sometimes it comes up, like I've, I've had it come up a couple times where I was doing a vertical row and I needed the five. And then only four tiles came out Ugh. out of the bag, you know, of that Heartbreaker. color. And yeah. then you, you're just sitting there like, hmm, should I start it this round? Yeah. Finish it next round? Yeah. Because the probability of two more coming up is pretty good. Yeah. Or do I just hold off, do some other stuff? You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a tough, you know, when I first played it, I was like, oh man, this game is really easy. <laughs> <laughs> Put the tiles down, fill yeah, up, fill yeah. up the thing, build the wall. Get lots of points. Yeah, no, no, that is a lot more thought uh, once you've played a couple times. Uh, sure. And I think the more you play it, I don't know if we talked about this last time, I'm, I'm, I'm flubbing my memory, but the more aggressive it will get in terms of like hate block. Yep, or thinking hate about taking. what other people are working and I did towards. That, I did that once in the last game, and Kayla was like, don't, Jack, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> don't be mean. It's like I have to. <laughs> this She's is your the meanest. <laughs> this is your this is your four, yeah. and you have, there's one in there. I don't need it whatsoever. I will take it to stop you from ending the game right now. Give me another round to yep. pretend to get ahead, <laughs> and at least stop Just you from getting. And you know you're going to get it next round. You, there's no yeah. question about it. You can all. That's the thing, with the exception of maybe if you've started a late five, um, or maybe a four in a game where things are already tight, you may be setting yourself up for disappointment. But for the most part, you will always... If you get another round, you can always do one, two, or maybe three. Um, So beyond maybe just explicitly looking at Joel going for some (laughs) sucker and just delaying you being able to cash in some points, it's it's more of a... It's not not like throwing up a barricade, but it's more like... Uh, putting um, a tiny hill in front of them, so you gotta maybe yeah. hop over it a little bit. Although I think with as time goes by, the game should always end up being ended by the one row, because the one row is so easy it to accomplish, happens. and you you always get a lot of points out of it. Yeah. So why not? I always at the beginning I always thought, oh, I want to get my fours and fives down because that's the tough part. Yeah. It's not that tough because everything drops into the middle. Yeah. Um. I think. A principle, like like selling your field, a principle of Azul is going to be um, get your single tile. Whatever color it is, make sure in those first five rounds, if there are more than five rounds, always do your single. Yeah. And I think I'm, what I'm trying to work on more is trying to really kind of grow outwards sort of so that you're always maximizing your maximizing your points in a sense because you got to keep in mind too you score top down so if you were anticipating like all this weird building thing but you're only getting one point one point one point one point you can do that for one round maybe it's not ideal but if 
if you're able to start comboing into a bunch of stuff, that's great. But it's, for me, what happens is I, I think a couple, t- almost every game probably, is I end up screwing myself on dumping a tile in a random spot that I that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. And it's not even like closing off a, and then an it's entire you color. One point, yeah. and it's doesn't resolve to anything at the end of the game. So yeah. you've you've kind of just thrown four tiles at a single point. So in case you haven't noticed, folks, folk. Azul, there's a lot to <laughs> We like Azul. We like Azul. Play it. Play Azul. Oh, it's beautiful, too. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, then we played Santorini, uh, and this is where Jack shines, because Kayla's won as many games of Azul as she has lost in Santorini. It, nice. It's a weird dynamic, and I don't think it has anything to do with um, the style of game. I think maybe it's just... Do you think it, they're similar in style? They're both abstracts. That's as, that's as far as I'd go. Santorini feels, I don't want to say chess, but closer to something like a weird stripped down version or something like that. But still, it's fun. Um, very tricky. I'm not good at it. I think, I, I don't know if I said this but already, but I think I'm just slightly better at it than at not being good at it. Good enough to win. Good That's enough. all that matters. But the big one I want to talk about is uh, we, we picked it up over the, the previous week, and it's Great Western Trail, which is nice. from Stronghold Games and Egotspiel. And it's by Alexander Fifster. Fifster? I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Uh, The same fellow who did Isle of Sky, uh, Mombasa, Broom Service, which I forgot about. And this is his most recent game, I believe. And the basic premise is that this is the... uh, I'll say... And my U.S. history is kind of messed up. I'll say Gold Rush era, but basically you're you're herding cattle around and you're taking them to Kansas City. And it is essentially a deck-building game we start with a herd of cattle that represent your deck, and they have different quantities, uh, different number values, and different colors. And you start off on the, the trail, and you move your way down. Your cowboy has a limited amount of movements, which is still very generous in a two-player game. I think in three and four would be slightly more constraining. Constraining? Is that a word? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you bounce to these, these stores, and they let you do things. So one is like, oh, if you have this cow in your hand, you can put it in your discard pile and take $2. You, you basically sold your Ooh. Black Angus, which in $2 is a, is a lot at the start of the game. Other ones are you go here and you can buy more cows, but cows are super expensive at the start because you have only have one worker. And that's where you get this player board that has all these discs and one cube on it and a row for cowboys, craftsmen, and engineers. And cowboys help you get more cows. So the more cowboys you have, the more... Um, the better value of cows you have access to and the more better deals you can range. So you're basically building your deck. And there's this market down here of these cows. And based on the amount of cowboys and the amount of money you have, you can buy better ones or you can try to get a, a couple of lower-priced ones. But you want to have as many different types of cows as possible. Because when you get to all the way down to Kansas City, uh, whatever cards you have in your hand, you take each single type of cow. So if you have uh, four of one cow, you only cash in one cow. So if you have a whole different amount of them, you're making a lot of money. And that's where the you're on trying to puff up your deck with all these different types of cows go. And you never lose cards unless you want to. So there's a my, there is a purge action, which as soon as I saw, I was like, oh, Joel will love this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it is kind of, uh, it, it isn't as generous as other purges necessarily. You get to do, well, if you upgrade it, you can do it twice. But it forces your train, which is another track that you're monitoring, to go backwards a step. So there's this train track on the top there that is affected by your engineers. And there's all these stations that are worth lots of victory points if you get there and mm. you put down your marker and you say, I was here. And other people can do it as well. 
and you cannot neglect the trains. What happens if you get to a marker and then have to go back? Do you lose the flag? No, no. It just means you're slower down on the progress because somebody else can get ahead of you and start swooping up these locations that get better and better. And um, so, sorry, I misspoke when I said that um, anyone could be there because there's the top row, which are cities. Anyone can visit these cities is what you do when you cash in your cows. And this is an interesting part of the game is that whenever you cash in cows, you have to imagine what city you're cashing them into. So if you have cashed in very valuable cows, you're allowed to sell them to cities that are worth more money. San Francisco being the best, it's worth you need $18 worth of cow to cash them in there. The only issue is that it's affected by where your train is. So your train is slowly chugging along on the tracks beneath this city line. If your train is back at the start and you're trying to cash in cows at San Francisco, you have to pay a dollar for every station that you would normally have to get to to get there. So you want to push your train up to make it cheaper to sell these cows. Conversely, if you're selling cheap cows, uh, you get negative victory points on the first couple of lines there. It's kind of a penalty for being a bum and you not having good enough cows. So um, it, it's not super punitive, but it's still there to kind of make you go, ooh, I can't do that. And uh, the other one is, the other aspect of the game is the craftsman, which is that you can build... So you have this lovely board with this trail and all this stuff going around, and you can build houses uh, that everyone shares. Everyone's got the same pool of houses in their own colors, and you can put them anywhere on the board you want, and they all do different things. But only you can go to a place that you've built. So if Joel puts down a blue house, Mm. I'm not allowed to use it for whatever its purpose is. I can land on it, and it costs me a movement point to go off of it, but I can only do what they call an auxiliary action, which is just a something on your board, which is usually a, a weaker action, but maybe it's useful in this case. So this I don't want to overwhelm with the discussion because it's there's a lot to look at, and the board's very busy. And it's one of those games, if you put down on a table to a new person who doesn't really know what they're doing necessarily or is new to games, they look at it, their eyeballs would bulge out of their head because there's so much going on at the start. But the game in itself is so quick, and it plays so nicely with two players. And I'm just really impressed with it. So you're saying there's... There's three main themes based off of your cows, your your cowboys, your artisans, or your sorry, craftsmen, your craftsmen, yeah. and your engineers, and yep. you've got multiple paths to get your victory points. One yep. being the trains, one being selling different types of cows, yep. and another. Uh, are but these buildings are all worth victory buildings points all too. points worth as well, and they get better and better. So that if you dump a like your best building down, it's worth a lot of victory points, but you need a lot of craftsmen in order to get to it. So mm. you're you're limited in a lot of ways by these people you hire and that's where the hiring track comes in where you have this board on the side which is a market and you have different tiers of it and if you want to buy some from this tier it's going to cost you nine bucks or eight bucks seven and it kind of fluctuates all around the place and it's it's randomly built based on player interaction of who's going to be where so whenever somebody gets to kansas city you flip over some tokens that correspond to spots and you go okay well i'm looking for some cowboys so i'm going to put the i'm going to add the cowboy to this column because it'll be cheaper and i think i can get there first but it's difficult i don't want to go too deep now, into is, it is the game over when you get to kansas no you keep going to kansas many times you can and the game is only over when the employment track which is this uh there's this little disc falls off the end of the board which means that whenever you're hiring people they always go on the row where the little disc is so eventually uh, the disc is always going to be pushed down you can only buy from the rows above the disc so it's always getting filled up continually 
And whoever knocks it off gets two victory points just for being the last person there. But you want to try to get to Kansas City as often as possible to get lots of money, which you turn into more people, which you turn into more cows, which you turn into it's more an buildings. Building. You are building an engine. And it's, it's you, what do I love in games, Joel? What do I like? Getting your engine going. Get my engine going, and you get to see this board evolve. Yeah. And it, it's really, the art is beautiful, and there's these hazards around um, that you can clean up for victory points too. And I, I think at two-player, it's very different than if you were to see it at three or four. But in general, very, very happy with it. I'm glad you got a chance to play it because we've talked about it quite a few times because it is on that list of the top ten uh, games of all time on board game. Is it I think it's like ninth or something. Ninth of the best games of all time? Yeah, well, in the board game geek rating system. Oh, know. my God. It, it's a good game, but it <laughs> <laughs> seems excessive to me. But it is it is good to me that strikes me as hotness type or cult of the new aspect, could even be, though it's been out be. for, I think, but a year or two. When you look at the list there, it's it's kind of, uh, it's a different kind of game. I think compare it is, it's a different game, period. And I think it, it does so many different things mixed together that I that really makes me happy. And I like, deck builder's not my favorite genre until you add it to another game. And then <laughs> deck it, building in a game. Building in a game. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. And... I love to see in a worker placement, getting workers in a deck building game. It's always purge. Purge. So it, the purge action is useful. <clears throat> a lot of uh, heart. Uh, but it, it isn't. It isn't overpowered, but it's super useful. And I think the more I, I, I look forward to playing this more and more, it's, and I hopefully more strategies appear because the only one I'm worried about is that. There, people are saying online that there's the the big cowboy strategy, which is a, kind of a parody on the big money strategy in Dominion, where you just you just buy gold or you just buy money oh, yeah. until you. And if that's kind of the baseline strategy to beat, because if you can't defeat this, basically the computer just playing it, then you're out of luck. Yeah. But yeah, I always thought that was funny in Dominion. A how, big money, yeah. Um, just there are a lot of maneuvers that you can do that are complicated and require you to have a little bit of luck with what you draw in Dominion, mm-hmm. or there's just getting silvers, yeah. getting golds, big money, buying estates. So overall, I would I would give Great Western Trail based on uh, two plays. I give it um, eight eight cattle being rustled underneath my nose Yeehaw! as I'm bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> and who on Great Western Trail? Um, Kayla won the first time and I won the second one, uh, but they were both by like two or three points two each. Two games. It was, it was so close. So, nice. Great. So whoever knocked the token off won. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> she, she knocked it off the, the game I won, so it was close. Very, oh. very close. All right. So we're going to take a musical break. We'll be back in a second. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was The Magician by Mike Simonetti, uh, former member of the Chromatics. Bit of drama with him because when... Do you know the Chromatics? I know... Definitely heard, heard of the list. name, yeah. The uh, I, I think they've gotten a little big recently. They were featured prominently in the new the Twin Peaks revival, and uh, they were featured on the soundtrack for Drive with Tick yep. of the Clock, that great song from the beginning. Um, so Mike Simonetti, I believe, was with the Chromatics for a bit, or at least the label. Italians do it better. And uh, he left, and he was accusing the, I think, the lead singer, the frontman for the Chromatics, Johnny Jewell, of stealing his music. And going back to plagiarism again. Listen to us. Hey. Stealing his music, in particular that track uh, on a on a new on the side project of the uh, Symmetry, and just basically, in his words, screwing it up and putting a bunch of garbled crap on it and trying to pretend like it was his and owing him money and all the rest of this stuff. So what genre is this? This kind of eighties heavy beat synth wave. Synth wave. Lots of different Hotline genres. Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami. So when we put it on, Joel was like, is this is this for Hotline Miami? It's it might have it should be. It's just makes me want to run around the building doing ultraviolence. But... <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Where's my baseball bat? Where's my crowbar? Oh, where's my animal mask? <laughs> it's such a good game. Such such a good game. Wonder if we'll ever get a third one. I don't think so. But quick question: How am I? I mean, what what mask do you prefer? Tony, I think usually because I think he did um, start with a knife. Start with a knife. That's a good one. I I also like the one where dogs won't attack you. That's useful because dogs are a pain. And they have a wonky hitbox, in my opinion. Yep. Like, there were plenty of times I felt like I whacked them, and nope, <laughs> it's chewing on my neck. <laughs> yep. Hotline Miami, for those who don't know, is this incredible uh, top-down arcade murder simulator. That's the only way to describe it. Set to this these bizarre psychedelic visuals, uh, incredible music of synthwave-type stuff. Fantastic music. And a plot that's great. It's actually a good plot. And the second one, I don't think the plot's as good, but still... It, it's it's great. You actually care about the story in these games, and they're really super quick. Though another thing about this game is it's it's one of those one hit and you're done. Yeah, which is really cool. And then you just start again right away because there's no need to sit around and be dead. No, it's like they know it's you're the gonna pace die constantly. Is the, there's a super fast pace to Hotline Miami. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. it, the the term "get good" applies to Hotline Miami oh, because yeah. you don't get past it unless you get good, and you gotta be. Yeah, your your dexterity skills have to be through the roof. Yeah, and there's some element to just learning the room by yeah, dying it, a whole bunch of times. Trial and error, trial and error. Uh, if if you if you get through a room without dying, you feel great. Oh yeah, and <laughs> and, you, and you get combo bonus. So this is where the game almost challenges you to be greedy because the more people you kill back to back, the more your multiplier keeps going. Yep. And you get a higher rating, and you unlock masks. So the without going too far into the detail. The, the premise of Hotline Miami 1, at least, is that you play a character only known online as Jacket, and you get this phone call from your machine from this ambiguous uh, sort of uh, company that always asks you to deliver a package or meet somebody somewhere that sounds completely n- neutral, but you get there and it's just, oh, I'm murdering everyone in this building. And it's all, you get out of your DeLorean. Well, they're yeah. killing you too, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they just hold their hands up. No, no, it's not. Please, not me. <laughs> no, they, they are trying to kill you as well, but it, it's, to be fair... I think you start it. <laughs> yeah, I think you get into the room and things for the most part. Um, Hotline Miami, great, great, great game. A little tricky to run sometimes, though, as Joel found out, because uh, it uses Game Maker and uh, yep. it makes you play around with, uh, what was it, spool airs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something bizarre. 
But the fix it was a known issue and it was fixed and oh, okay, good. On and on we go. All right, so we don't have much time left, so we're gonna have a brief conversation about a flick we saw last night. Joel bought us tickets. Thank you, Joel, for his second viewing. We'll put it on our uh, on our show's budget. Yeah, we'll bill it to CFRU. <laughs> <laughs> Open up the CFRU's wallet. Moth flies out. What are we able to even say about this movie without spoiling? It's just it's really difficult to talk about. And well, that was we, the thing when I was the only one that had watched it. It was yeah. like, how do I hold all this in? I, you know what? Maybe it's because I'm not the, the biggest Marvel fan, so You're I'm different. not. I, I'm not. I wouldn't say indifferent. I don't like spoilers in general. So we're not going to spoil anything because I think it's difficult. Like you're saying, it's difficult to talk about it. So let's let's talk in broader sense of, because this is something I mentioned to Joel last night by message, is that let's talk about the main villain, quote unquote, in this film. Cause Josh Thanos, Brolin. Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just talk about his um, his vision because his his... The, the way he sees the world is no secret, and that's just basically Thanos' thing, is Thanos thinks uh, the world is overpopulated, or the universe is overpopulated. It's out of balance. And he needs to kill half of everybody, and that's fine. That's just... How did you get half, though? It's like, is it just because like, things... <laughs> it's a good back? ratio. <laughs> We have exactly twice as many people as we should. Yeah, it's it's a common fact that they're. <laughs> I've seen some. There's <laughs> there were there were some popular views in the '80s and possibly before where um, some um, philosophers were arguing that it's 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 time to <clears throat> stop um, crafting the environment to fit our population, and yeah. instead we need to craft the population to fit the environment. Oh, that's an interesting one. I don't know if that's and, a. Uh, I remember reading once, but it was an Oswald Spengler um, essay, and it was basically talk, it was d- titled "The Demon en- uh, Demon Engine Agriculture," and it, the, it's his uh, thesis was that agriculture has facilitated the most harms in the world because it's allowed population to explode yep. and uh, ch- uh, basically altered the course of humanity for forever. Agriculture but, is the number one. Um, great technology in element said, by the for way. allowing populations to grow which yeah. should you know from playing advanced Civ, yeah you know? uh so thanos's thing get rid of trying to bring the universe back into balance and i was reading a little bit about it. apparently the movie version is almost a different take on it because in the comic books the guy's been around since the 70s i think yeah um and i didn't know this but I, I always knew he was very similar to Darkseed, which is the DC Universe's big baddie. Yeah. Uh, and is, I think, a truly frightening villain, especially in the hands of Grant Morrison. If you ever read any of his, his work on DC stuff, Grant Morrison is this very eccentric fellow. Uh, <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And his take on Darkseed. Pardon me? Little twist. Little twisted. Have you ever read anything by him? The Invisibles? Yeah. or Yeah. So... Um, his take on Darkseed is, is just one of these meta-occult... Uh, anti-life equation, just pure evil, but incomprehensible. Not in a Lovecraftian sort of uh, Elder God style, just more of this. It, it almost makes me ill thinking about it because it's just <laughs> profoundly deranged. Which, I mean, you can make somebody horrible and you can make somebody evil, but to make that believable is the tricky part. Absolutely. And which I think is... that's what this movie did so So well. tell me why you think that about Thanos. Cause... I loved Josh Brolin as Thanos. Perfect. He was fantastic he's quiet he's reserved 
He's not bombastic. He's not, not twirling his up. mustache. He's not talking about how great he is. Yeah. When he beats people in fights, he doesn't gloat. Yeah. You know, he doesn't hold people up and say, ha ha, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> he just is calmly and quietly going about his business. And <laughs> he's just so good at it. Yeah. And it's just the, the, the description weary warrior was supplied at once. And that's yep. what I think is applicable because it's just this guy who who comes across as he, he has this mission. He he in if you if it's almost like a movie that if you just turn, spun it spun the camera around or in a different direction, it's like, oh, you're rooting for this guy at this point because Absolutely. these <laughs> and these other people are in his way and they're they're even though I think maybe <laughs> just like mercilessly gunning down populations is slightly <laughs> For or against, <laughs> but uh, I think it's what, very utilitarian. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think, but I think we both walk away feeling that, like you were saying before, that they actually took the time to build a character that, in a world with space wizards and infinity gems that all happen to be really close to each other, but don't overthink it, and, and the rest like of this stuff. Thirty characters that need screen time. The right? thirty characters need screen time. That if we had had more characters as cool as Thanos. And I think as close as we get is Thor, um, yeah. and he he has kind of like a bit of a boring arc for a bit, which is kind of the issue I had with the movie in general is that I've, it's two and a half hours because they're trying to give you everything, but yeah. I didn't need everything. A lot of it I felt kind of just, just get, get to the cool parts. Gotta give these people their time in the sun. Yeah, well, even the cursory Wakanda fight, which is in the trailer, is not spoiling yeah. anything. It's just like, to me, it's just okay. Honestly, those, the villains, I mean, or sorry, the enemies, the little monsters, whatever, yeah. just seem like he, such an arbitrary thing. It's oh, just like, 100%. Here is something for your characters to kill for. Yeah, he, murder these things for a while. You gotta have this, I think Lord of the Rings is the, the person response, or the the person, the, the movie responsible for, like, you need a big battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hate it. Do you hate Lord of the Rings or just no? Yeah. I just hate big battles. When I see them, not, like when I Boring. see when I see a Star Wars movie now, if I see X wings and stuff in the air, I just oh man, here we go. This used to be exciting, but you you just you constantly throwing this stuff at me. I don't care. They're it's the way they're shot too. It's this this whole Transformers thing where they're gonna do some spinning, confusing cameras and yeah, uh, nothing's in focus or like even when it is, it's just like. He punches to the right because something came into the oh, screen to the right. The something side. comes into the screen to the left, and he punches that way. Oh no, he's in trouble. His buddy comes and smacks it. Instead yeah, exactly. And they oh, everything looks bad. Oh, Thor shows up and. Boom, well, that was awesome. And part of me was like, it's <laughs> yeah, cool. that was cool. But again, it, it, it's more to me. That's for the kids. It's like yep. the kids love this. But pumped them up. Pumped them up versus, and this is going to be weird. But the after watching maybe some other types of movies where the the fights are much more intimate, it's one-on-one -on -one or one versus four versus like 20 versus a million, you, you lose focus. But when it's smaller when the, when, and you can really appreciate what's going on, also the filmmaking is better versus the technically fine Avengers movie, but it's you just don't care. How are you supposed to feel invested? You know Captain America is going to beat all these things. You know there's no harm <laughs> yeah. coming to them at all in this, this little sequence. So, And that... I'll I'll come back to a positive here. I always because there are sort of bosses and minions. Bosses, that's a good way to put it. Like Dynasty Warriors, you <laughs> yeah. have to fight your way to the <laughs> and the minions. Everybody knew there was no the mooks. There's no, there's no little dog dog with big teeth is going to tear the head <laughs> off of Black Widow or it's something. Like, oh. But then there's the 
uh, Children of Thanos. Yeah. I thought not just Thanos, but the Children of Thanos were really cool. I mean, I didn't really care about the girl with the blue. No, she was like, what was like, her thing? They had like a sort of a rogue who could just slip in and out of he, places. That's, the whole time really looking cool. at that, I just like, it's. do you ever play the game Sticks? <laughs> no. It's a game on Steam. It's half decent. It's kind of like supposedly like a, an answer to Thief, but you play a, a little goblin that's sneaking around, kind of robbing people and murdering people. But yes. he looks identical. <laughs> he's just a tall Sticks. That's all it is. Yeah, and he's just, he's there. He's, he's, he's there. there. But it's like, no spoilers, but no nobody else guarding. No one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to leave the two weakest fools behind. It's like, come on. Yeah, and it, I won't say too much, but Vision was amazing in Age of Ultron, right? He and just useless, wins like useless. this. <laughs> he's just completely garo. Oh, time's up. He's so bad, you wonder, like, <laughs> guard the base, Vision. <laughs> it's like, it's, no, it can't do it. No. He's a liability. That's, yeah, absolutely. Because anyway, <laughs> Avengers, good movie. Uh, I don't think it's amazing, but fantastic villain. I think Marvel does film. villains really well. Yeah, it's how does DC continually not make good movies? That's what I'm astounded it's, by. It's so stupid, and they're so bad. It's it's almost like it failing on purpose. It's statistically, <laughs> you should have made a better movie by now. It's it's mind boggling. Like I had to watch Justice League. Yeah. I just had to. It's and not I was good. Just like. Exact same Two thing. thirds of the way through, you're just scratching your head like mooks flying at you. Lots of doing? stuff for them to kill. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Whatever. But <sighs> I'm Jack. Yeah, I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. See if are you. Bye, Americans.